Welcome to the Egg Gap Evolution Podcast. I'm your host, Mariah Phillips. You can call me Mariah because that's my name. And I'm thrilled to have you on this journey with me and all of the spectacular guests who jump on the podcast to give you more options for educating children so that children have more options for building a magnificent future. The Egg Gap Evolution Podcast is a digital community where parents, educators, and innovators drop the details on how they are using their lives to help children explore the vastness of education beyond the textbook so that we can close America's education gap together. And just in case you didn't get the memo, producing a podcast is a whole lot of work. We're talking schedule coordination, production, the list goes on and on. So in return for bringing you this show every week, we just ask that you always find a way to share and use what you learn on the podcast to enrich children and families everywhere. Alrighty, without further ado, come along with me to meet our very next guest. We are interviewing Reginald Ryder. So the the story around how Reg and I met is really interesting. Life can be so cool, guys, because I've known Reg since 2016. We worked at the same ed tech company for almost three years. I was there for three years. He's been there much longer. He's a dedicated guy. Um, and I had no idea that we would reconnect due to the great work that Reg is doing for students and families through his coaching business, Thriving Life Coaching, which we'll talk about in just a bit. I mean, Reg, I'm so grateful to have you here today to dig into your story as a first-generation college student and really put on display just how you've used your life experiences to equip recent high school grads and college students everywhere with the necessary support for reaching their fullest potential. So, Reg, how are you doing today? I am doing great and so good to uh, catch up with you again, Mariah. You're right. We we did have a uh, uh, cult following from uh, a few years back when we <laughs> when we worked together, but it's really good to be on uh, on with you and uh, to talk about Thriving Life Coaching and beyond. Yeah, yeah. No, when I first started, I was uh, the job we worked at, they had like a lot of snacks and to get to the cereal part, <laughs> I would have to go through Reg's department. And so I would see him and I'm like, oh, hey, you know, just random. Never thought we'd end up on a podcast together. So this is you great. You and me both. I'm telling you, it's, it's an amazing uh, turn of events, but I'm, I'm glad that uh, we, we've come in each other's company. Yeah. So Reg, I, I want to clear the air a little bit um, okay. for people who... So coaching is can be such a buzzword nowadays. You know, Fair. when it comes to coaching on, we, it's, it's kind of easy for us to imagine coaching on the field when we talk about football. You know, the coach is helping you develop your skills, teaching you the game, all those sorts of things. And then when we get to coaching as far as like a life coach or online, you have some people who call themselves a coach and they run an Instagram account. They never really talk to people. It's like, hey, I'm the coach on Instagram who coaches you about X, Y, Z. Then right. you have folks who are coaches and they have courses and like, hey, take my course and I'll coach you on this. Um, and then there are coaches like you. And so what could you talk to us from your perspective before we jump into your history and everything? Just so we're all clear, what what's a coach in your opinion and why do coaches matter to the work that you do? Well, good. And that's actually a good question. Um. And it's funny, you know, you talked about the sporting sports analogy. I actually have been a basketball coach in my in my life. I used to coach girls uh, in in high school, so it's very that part of it's kind of near and dear to my heart. So I actually kind of use a coaching analogy with respect to that to talk about what coaching really is. Uh, you know, coaching, much like in a sport, is you know someone who knows and understands the the the, the kind of game or level of game 
uh, with all the expectations, the bells and whistles, nuts and bolts that go along with it. As a coach, you really put yourself in the position to, you know, be that um, that expert and that person who knows the game well enough inside and out that you can begin to kind of anticipate and expect either the things that should happen or need to happen or things that you don't want to happen in one respect or another. Um, much like a coach in uh, you know sporting anal- sporting analogy, you can offer all the training, you can offer all the you know. Uh, support you can offer all those things in, in regard to that but ultimately what it comes down to is putting that person out in the field or on the floor whatever the case may be and watching them work nine times out of ten they're doing most of the things mechanically that they need to do whether it's dribbling whether it's uh shooting whether i'm using basketball because that's kind of near and dear to me in in that regard to to help them meet the meet the mark but like anything, there's always pressure points within the context of a game. And so you have to kind of know how to respond to it. As a coach, you don't want to get too high or too low, you know, get them excited or get them rattled. But you want to kind of give them the the, the, the layout so they can kind of see it. And then uh, given their mistakes or their milestones, you have them either repeat them or minimize them as much as they possibly can so that they can perform their game at their best uh, ability. For me as an academic coach and ready academic and uh, readiness coach, I try and put students in the position to say that if you clearly don't make the mistakes that I made along the way and put yourself in a position where you're open and receptive to all that I'm going to be offering you about, not just how to get through school productively, but really through life, you know, you'll go far and you'll do, you'll, and you'll do great things. And so coaching to me really um, relates back to understanding, you know, who it is that you're working with, the 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 playing field that they're that they're on in whatever context that that may mean and allowing a student to be able to work from their strengths so that they are able to maximize their their potential much like you talked about in your introduction wow that that's excellent i i've never been a coach in any capacity i've always been the player <laughs> I played basketball in high school. I'm not a runner. And so having a coach was really did, like you said, get provide that one, that emotional stability, like take your take, put your head in it, but kind of take your emotions out of it. And I never thought of it from the perspective of helping the person get their head in it pertaining to like whatever field that they're in, because that must be a really important element, not just providing a wide scope, um, view of, of how to do something, but really focusing in on what that particular specialty or the, what that particular goal is for the person. Right. And, and it's, it's interesting because I think people don't necessarily, I know, you know, kind of old school, we would have called it just counseling or advising or mentoring, but I think it goes a step further than that because um, much like you talked about in your kind of introduction, uh, some people call themselves a coach and they, you know, say, watch my webinar and that's it. No, my coaching is really, on the ground, one-on-one, you know, in your face in a good way. Um, but, you know, right there with you along the way, along the way as you move through the, the process. And um, it's, it's an, it's an amazing experience to, to, to do and to really capture in some respects. Um, and I learn just as much as I think the students do as well. Cause you know, clearly everyone doesn't approach this, you know, process, uh, you know, from the same uh, from the same perspective, same prism. And so you kind of have to help shape that in one respect or another. So it's it's been a great experience with the students that I coach right now um, uh, to, to see them uh, 
bud and blossom and really emerge in all the ways that they have. That's excellent. Um, and speaking of, you know, budding and blossoming, moving along, let's move along into okay. um, getting to know you a bit more. So we'll jump into your education in just a bit. Um, and I sure. don't want to spoil the fun that's coming up as far as your work experience. But <laughs> can you tell us where you're from, Reg, and what motivates you to spring out of the bed each day and get going? Okay, sure. So I'm I'm from Indiana. That's where my, uh, my home state, but I offer that as a caveat because my father was in the Air Force, so I've kind of bounced around a lot. I was, believe it or not, my, my birthplace is actually uh, Rapid City, South Dakota. Uh, nice. Yeah, but I've lived in uh, South Dakota. I've lived in Georgia. I've lived in Oregon. I lived in Indiana. Uh, and then so I, undergraduate is where I did my work at uh, Ball State University in Indiana. And then uh, from there, on my own, I went to Pennsylvania twice. Uh, Virginia twice, which is where I currently live, just outside of uh, 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 Dallas Airport, around that area, and uh, New York twice. So I've I've seen a bit of the world, to, to say the least. Also, well, so Reg is a national and an international guy, guys. <laughs> <laughs> he's seen, he's almost seen it all. Almost, um, almost. <laughs> almost. And so, what do you, do you think that it was? Do you think that it's the fact that you have lived so many places and had so many experiences with so many different types of people that propelled you to get into the coaching business? What what was it that made because I've, you know, in both of the positions we were at at our old job, we had to talk to a lot of people all the time. And for yeah. some people that can be really overwhelming, really stressful, so many things. So what what do you think it is that made you um, go, go into a profession where you are in such direct contact with folks, their emotions and their lives all the time? Is that what sends you springing out of bed or is it something yeah. else? Well, you know, it is that it, it is the I think the opportunity to, to help shape, uh, you know, I say people's lives, but really an experience and whatever experience that that may mean uh, for them to get them, you know, ultimately to where they want to go. So that's really what gets me up and out of out of bed. I, um, it's funny. I, as I think about it even now, I, I, people have always kind of, well, let me back up actually, because I've lived in so many different places, you have to really kind of hit the ground running and really kind of uh, transition yourself into a new place. By the time I was 10, I think I'd moved four times if I'm not mistaken. I think that's right. I think four, four or five times and gone to probably four or five schools in that time frame as well. You know, there's really no time to be a, you know, a wallflower. And, you know, I was fairly athletic and I've been, you know, fairly outgoing and that kind of thing. And so people kind of gravitated towards me. And so as I got older, it turned out that people would come to me with their, you know, issues or their concerns or a question that they had. Nine times out of 10, I would offer kind of armchair psychology as a, you know, sixth, seventh, eighth grader, (laughs) you know, (laughs) Um, you know, not only, maybe not maybe not the best advice, but it was at least right advice. And they took it and they kind of ran with it and it, and it, you know, and it worked. And so I kind of resonated by the time I got to college, I became a resident assistant. And so that's kind of a gravitational pull for, you know, being um, resourceful and, and knowing uh, uh, information and resources about the, the campus uh, that you're, that I was on uh, when I was an RA. And then that really, that, that, position itself, along with some other things that I did, really um, kind of dovetailed me from wanting to be a lawyer, which is what I thought I wanted to be when I when I grew up at some point, to 
uh, actually working in uh, higher education. And by getting to higher education, once I got there, I realized that there was a lot that I didn't know as a first-generation student. I know we're going to talk about that a little bit later, but I wanted to make sure that the students that I worked with from that point on had the information that I didn't have. And it's not that my parents didn't give it to me because they you know, blocked it or held it from me, but they, were, they did not go to college themselves. And so by default, you know, there was only so much that they could give me in that regard um, in the way of you know, love and support, which I got, but not the kind of uh, nuts and bolts of how to be successful in that particular um, arena. So that's where it really kind of all spawned from. And it's just kind of grown and developed and emerged from there to to where I am right now. So basically you're the you're the Warren Buffett of counseling. You started <laughs> <laughs> I, I don't have quite the don't have quite the, the, the price tag behind the number of zeros behind my name as I'd like, but he started he started at seven eight. You started at seven eight. Well look I, I'll I'll take that and I will I'll you speaking that into my existence means that there's a there's a chance for me yet. So I'll take absolutely, it. absolutely. So um, you've had so many exceptional experiences in education and in your life. I mean, you earned your bachelor's of political science from Ball State University. Um, you went to James Madison University for your master's of education in counseling and psychology, right? Correct. Okay. And you, you held so many different roles where you were a leader or a coach. And like I said, directly impacted people's ability to thrive. And so right now we're going to play a bit of a game. So right. on your website, uh, the, I'll tell folks how to get to your website towards the end of this episode, but you list about eight places of employment. I'm yes. going to read off just four different ones. Okay. And you have the option to say pass, but okay. <laughs> you'll tell us in one sentence your favorite part about serving in that role. Okay. That's fair. Okay. That's good. I okay. like this game. Okay. <laughs> so the first one is Cornell University Director of Multicultural Student Services. That experience finally helped me overcome my own imposter syndrome. That's awesome. So what, um, and, and, oh, I forgot to add this part. I get to ask okay. questions back. Okay. So, <laughs> so what, um, what did your imposter syndrome look or feel like? And what was that pivotal moment that where you said, Hey, I'm over this. Like I've, I've moved on to a, a, the next level or I've gotten, I've gotten past that. Got it. So if, if you know anything about Cornell University, it's an Ivy League institution. It's a great institution in uh, upstate New York. Uh, and for me, I, I was just finishing graduate school. So I just finished graduate school and I was going to work there as their director of uh, multicultural student services. If you know anything about Cornell, you know that they're basically, you know, it's an Ivy League institution, but it's also a cream of the crop. And the, mm. the top notch students, you know, go there. Um, very smart, very savvy, uh, you know, you, you name it. They're, they're the answer key to your, you know, public school or private school setting if you were in high school. Now, little old me from, you know, an Air Force background, that's my dad was in the Air Force, from a public school to public public school institutions that I went to for, for college. I'm thinking, what in the world do I, can I possibly teach these students that they don't already know already? But what I realized and what helped me get over it was, was that at that point I was pretty seasoned in my, in my own age, but realized that they were still, you know, teenagers and still, you know, 18, 19, you know, years old, 17 in some respects, uh, year old students who had no life experience and who had not been, you know, kind of walked the same walk that I had walked in, in some respects. And so once I realized that 
you know, to hear them talk and to hear them make some of the either excuses or the mistakes that they were making, I was like, okay, this all makes sense to me now. I know what or how to move forward with that. Um, and being able to you know, provide them with the insight and perspective that uh, they needed. And so I kind of went from there, but it took that moment in being in that particular setting for me to realize that what I had in the way of capacity was a lot more and a lot more bandwidth than I gave myself credit for. Wow. And I, I think that, you know, I can imagine that the students were very grateful because you know, 17, 18 years old. I mean, I remember when I was that age in college, I was not at Cornell for the record. Um, but <laughs> I was that age before. And right. I didn't know what I was supposed to be doing besides no, going no. to school and trying yeah. to pass. And so yeah. and, and sometimes didn't even go to school, you know, if you, right. if you if you, you know, if you made that choice. But yes, you're right. That's that's very much, um, you know, what I what I learned and realized uh, about that experience. That's fantastic. And so number two, Butler University Assistant Director of Admissions. Um. That was the first time I really had a chance or an opportunity to really be in a influential position to help shape the lives of uh, students. Part of my role was that I had a scholarship that I, a full ride scholarship for five uh, African-American uh, students that I could award each year that I was there. And uh, along the way, met some amazing people and some amazing students uh, and, you know, actually have, a, you know, a several, but uh, key pivotal um, stories related to that, that, that um, really speak to that experience. Uh, so I have a question about, you mentioned that in that role that you awarded um, scholarships uh-huh. and I don't know, I don't know the whole world of awarding scholarships. So if there's anything confidential, feel free not to say it, but <laughs> on TikTok, you know, on TikTok and a lot of different social media apps, there are so many people or college students or high school students looking for advice. They, they're, you know, they, they look up these scholarships and once they get to the application um, or the mm-hmm. essay part, they like their brain goes blank. Like people right. are like, what do I do? So do you right. have any advice for how one should approach um, how, how you should be thinking when you apply for a scholarship. Is it about uh, being unique? Is it about fitting in? What is it? I think it's a little of both. I mean, some res- in some respects, some of these scholarships are, you know, have a specific essay requirement related to it. So, you know, clearly make sure you follow the directions in that regard. But beyond that, I would actually say just be your true authentic self, you know, and, and, literally, you know, tell your story. I mean, I think we all have a story that's in us um, and have had some, uh, what, what would I call them, kind of key or pivotal moments that have kind of helped us steer in one direction or another. I think that's really important for people to be able to do. Um, this wasn't an essay related to a scholarship, but I had one of my former students was a niece of a of a, of a very famous person, but had no real ties to that individual. But she talked about seeing her lives through the stardom of her her aunt in this particular case, but not really being able to receive the you know kind of benefits or residuals that came from that whole experience. But she 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 explained all this in the context of her essay. And then at the very end she told me or told us and the you know those who were reading it, you know, who she was related to. And it was just like, you know, you read it, it's just like, oh, wow. I mean, that I, I felt like I 
I felt like I knew this person after what she had offered in, in, in regard to that. So it was, it was a pretty amazing experience. And so I think, as I think about that essay, you know, that was a unique way of her being able to talk about her experience. And that was what she used for her, her um, application or uh, application for the admissions process. But to this day, it's to that story still sticks and resonates with me. So it is you being unique, but it is you also, I think, being true and authentic to who you are and what you'd like to become or be. And, you know, and talk about it in the context of how the scholarship will, you know, be a benefit to you in that regard. That's interesting because, um, you know, she, like you're saying, she could have gone the route of saying, this is who my aunt is. And because yeah. of that, you know, you should pick me. Exactly. Or I could imagine that if people do know who that she's related to her aunt at any point in her life, that she, she's had to overcome the whole thing of, oh, you're the niece of X, Y, Z. Right. And so in that, this regard for this scholarship, she was her own person and she, you know, she harnessed her story and it worked out for her, I would assume. So. Yep. It did. She ended up going to finish her Cornell degree um, as an undergrad, went to law school and she's a, uh, she's a lawyer now in California. Isn't that sweet? Awesome. Okay. So number three is West town school assistant Dean of students. That was that was actually interesting experience because at that point I wasn't I'll put it this way I don't think I was living my best life from the standpoint of the kind of work that I was doing I was doing kind of all the things that I'm doing now but I I was uh, stretched thin given the kind of experience that I had at uh, at the school gotcha it's a, it's a day in boarding school and so in that context my role was as uh, a, a, a different role than I previously had ever served, but I was the person when the student got in trouble, they came to see the assistant dean. And so that was me. And so I either took them through a discipline process, which meant sometimes they got suspended or sometimes even expelled. Or, you know, we had lots of kind of, you know, come to Jesus moments where they you know needed to kind of hear uh, something. And so the thing that I think I remember most about that experience is that, and I remember saying this to students very often, is that, you know, it's not the mistake that you make. It's the milestones you make after it that really make the difference versus just being everyone being caught in the moment of what that mistake was. Wow. And I think we do that kind of in general as people, you know, we look at the mistake and say, Oh God, they did this or Oh gosh, they did that. And not what happens after that. Cause hopefully there's a gap in between where you, you know, learn the lesson you've, you know, um, uh, kind of inoculated yourself with the, the the new purposeful person that kind of emerges from it. And, you know, how you emerge from that really, you know, makes the difference. Yeah. And I'm, that would, you know, ring, ring especially true for kids and young adults because they have so much life to live, you know, essentially oh, yeah. they, they, this is a mistake and it might have been, it might seem like a terrible mistake now or, yep. but Hey, there are many more quote unquote mistakes to come. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> you know? Exactly. And it's not that you can't make mistakes, but that, you know, clearly there's some mistakes that you can or shouldn't make, you know, they, they, they have, you know, repercussions in, you know, lots of different ways that sometimes you can or don't recover from. Uh, even those situations are ones that you can still, you know, bounce back from in one respect or another, but typically the ones that, you know, these, you know, young teenagers were making at this uh, day in boarding school, 
were things that, you know, they could, you know, bounce back from. And, uh, you know, whenever I saw them, you know, if they started, you know, to drop their head because they, they saw me coming, you know, go to them, you know, directly in the face and tell them, look their head up and say hello and you know, engage them in conversation, whatever the case may be. So uh, that was, that's what I, you know, I think gained uh, from that experience and that exposure. That's great. And so the final one is to you, senior student success specialist. <laughs> oh, wow. Well, that's what I currently do right now. I work with uh, in, in partnership with the uh, University of Southern California's uh, School of Ed. There's a organizational change and leadership uh, program, an EDD program that students are in. They're in it for three years. And my role is working with them from orientation to graduation. And Believe it or not, <clears throat> and this is part of what even kind of inspired me to actually do this business is that uh, business that I'm in right now is that as leaders in this particular um, leaders in this particular program, they go through imposter syndrome as well. They sometimes doubt their skills and doubt their talents, even though they are even though they're leaders in their organizations uh, and, you know, supervise and train or work with hundreds and thousands of people and you know work with you know millions of dollars at a time everyone i think kind of goes through that process in one respect or another and so that imposter syndrome when it happens for them makes them feel like because someone else is doing so much or has done so much not like themselves but done so much that they don't measure up. And one of the first things I tell the students that I work with is that, you know, when you get into class and you start talking about the, you know, um, the, the books and the theories and stuff like that you read, that you're reading, be sure and apply them back to the work that you do in your daily life. Because whether you realize it or not, something that you say is going to spark something for somebody else who in fact may be needing that very thing that you have. Um, and I was just, just before we uh, uh, came on today, I talked with one of my students who talked about having that imposter syndrome, but now he's, you know, in, on his own kind of individual quest to have um, one of those top five dissertations that he uh, can produce. That's amazing. And so, you know, given where he started and feeling that imposter syndrome for maybe a semester or two, to now being in a place where he feels confident and wants to be the leader of the, leader of the pack. I think says, you know, clearly a lot about his character, but also says a lot about the kind of um, experience and exposure that he's had, not just to me, but to other people who have clearly poured in, poured into him enough to say, this is something that you can do and that you're capable of doing. Yes. And Raj, I just think it's so amazing. Your, your, the scope of your experience um, and of your capabilities is so rich and and well-rounded, you know, K through 12, all the way up to higher ed, you know, master's of education programs, things like that. Um, and so I, I, I wonder about your support system. Um, that's, a, that's a lot to take on and you have years of experience with it. And I know that your family means a lot to you and um, you attribute a lot of your success or your support to your wife. And yes. so um, why is that? What does that look like to have a a healthy relationship with a partner or other members of your family? What does your support system look like? Um, and how important do you believe it is for a coach to have someone in your corner as well? 
It's a very good question. And uh, trust me, my, my wife and my family remind me of that all the time. Uh, because I'm, I, I tend to be, and especially when I, you know, I'm, I'm what I call my passion project or passion projects. I, I get, you know, fully inundated. I don't, sometimes I don't, I won't say I don't sleep. That would be (laughs) not exactly right, but I put a lot of time into it. And sometimes I put so much time into it that you kind of, you know, can kind of silo yourself and put yourself in, uh, that space where, you know, no one else can kind of get in, uh, so to, to give you a little background, uh, my wife and I actually, this coming Monday, will be married uh, 25 years. Congratulations. So, thank you. So she's clearly been there for me in uh, lots of ways. And, you know, and I, I, as much as you hear, hear or maybe even perceive that I've got it all together, I'm, I'm a, I'm, trust me, I'm a work in progress as well. And if I, if, if I had her on to tell you that, she would probably say the very same thing as well. So, uh, you know, I think I've, I've got something that I think that's a commodity that people want, but I'm still, again, a work in progress. So I don't think it's, it's ever a, a, a done deal. You can always be a lifelong learner. Um, so maybe that's the first thing I would say. But really beyond that, you know, I teasingly kind of call her my CFO and my uh, editor-in-chief and kind of <laughs> lots of titles like that because she, she does help me in, in that regard. But, you know, we have a good, healthy relationship we don't always see eye to eye and, you know, sometimes we disagree and, you know, I think that's life, but behind it all, you know, uh, she has a very much a servant's heart. I much the same, I think have a servant's heart as well. I'm one of, uh, five kids. I'm a twin. I don't know if you knew that or not, Mariah, but I didn't. Oh my goodness. Are you guys identical? I know we're, I have a twin sister. Okay. Um, but I'm the youngest, we're the youngest of the, of the group and I'm the, the most youngest, I guess, is the best way to put it. I'm the, <laughs> By the how many seconds? Minutes. Uh, it's it's actually five. It's actually five minutes, and believe it or not, we we're almost born on a different day, just because it was so close to midnight. Whoa, that's but, cool. <laughs> but it all worked out. Um, yeah, my, it, it's my brothers and sisters were my were and are, I should say, my my best friends when we were uh, kids, because you know you really don't. When, for as much as we moved around, you don't really get a chance to kind of, uh, you know, kind of establish roots and uh, a sense of kind of what's going on and what's happening with, you know, the, the, the people that you're that you're hanging with. And so we kind of became each other's good friends. To this day, we are still, you know, practically like we were when we were, you know, teenagers um, and kids. But I attribute that to my parents because my my parents um, uh have been married in August will be 65 years. So I've seen in some respects, you know, how they have worked and operated, you know, in, in my life and obviously in their life, you know, long before me and, you know, the hard work and the dedication that they put into, uh, to us, uh, you know, in, in general, uh, and it doesn't say we always got it right and that we always did what they wanted or that we you know went in the directions that they wanted, but, the bottom line is that we had at least a an example to work from, and so kind of all that related back to coaching. You know, it, to me, coaching and you know, parenting and everything else is really about leaving a legacy of one sort or another, as much and as best you possibly can, um, with clearly examples that work that you know get you you know the kind of productivity that you want, but also you know being vulnerable enough to make mistakes and to learn from them, and so. 
you know, that's, that's my support system. Plus I have a great group of uh, friends as well, friends and colleagues as well. It sounds like clearly your tribe provides a lot of TLC, tender loving care. Yes, um, indeed. And that's a perfect segue into what we're going to talk about next. I know that with your business, Thriving Life Coaching, you say every student needs a little TLC. Correct. Um, and so could you, we're going to zoom in on on the, on your business and on the services that you offer because this is a, an excellent resource that I would love. We talk a lot on the show about... Um, about K through five students. And so this is really the first time we're diving into a service for um, folks who are emerging, you know, entering college, um, fresh out of high school. So could you tell us, Reg, what is the company doing for students and families? What do your services look like? Right. So uh, you're right. It is driving life coaching. And I was very deliberate with that, that uh, title. I didn't want something that was going to give the, anyone a sense that they were just kind of just going to get by. I wanted it to be thriving versus survival because there's a clearly a different mindset in that regard. Um, but thriving life coaching, what it does is it provides students with uh, individualized coaching, or if it's an organization with, um, you know, a more kind of global sense of how a student can be come as productive as they possibly can. Um, so we look at things like, you know, students strengths and kind of, you know, ultimately kind of the pulse of where they are at that particular moment. Um, amongst things that we, that I do in relationship to that, to kind of get a sense of what the students like is that I do a 15 minute free consultation with uh, families, just so I can kind of explain who I am, what my services are and find out a little bit about what they're in need of. Um, if it's a mutually agreed upon situation from that point on, then, we move forward with the, uh, the the coaching process, and I start with an initial assessment. That initial assessment is basically a chance for me to get to know the student better. I do that independent of the parents because I want the student. I want to know the student for who the student is, not for who this who the student uh, should be in front of their parents. I want them to know kind of who they authentically are. We spend a lot of time talking about kind of where they are in school, what they what they're like outside of school, what their hobbies, hobbies and interests are, what their strengths are, and then we really kind of get to the nitty gritty of it, talking about what the what the coaching piece with talking about what their goals are, and then I go one step further than just kind of knowing what those goals are, but I have the student actually because I want the student to be very much in charge of what goes on and what happens in this context and within this process. I have students actually assign themselves tasks and I simply become their accountability partner. So you talked about that coaching at the very beginning, you know, that's what that really boils down to. So once they tell me what it is that they're after and what they want and the kinds of, the kind of commitment and level of work that they want to pin in, my job is then to basically just make sure that they do so. We usually meet uh, every couple of weeks or at least monthly, depending on the, the, the situation or circumstances. I'll check in with them to find out how things are going uh, over a Zoom call, typically over the uh, platform. In doing so, um, you know, we talk about the kind of, you know, how the day was, how the week was, how things are gone. If they have been given assignments or things that they're working on or tasks that they've been told to work on, then that's part of what we do. Uh, as part of every, every meeting, I give a student uh, and the parent, because I copied on the, the parents as well, a summary of what we talked about summary of what things need to be done or ways of being able to approach 
the um, their work. Um, we do it in context with high school. I, I can coach as young as middle school, but really high school and college students are primarily the clients, at least that I have at the moment. Uh, it is uh, the services are available over Zoom, and it kind of works from there. So that's what I do with individuals. With organizations, uh, I do things like uh, boot camps, uh, so to speak, where it's like a, a session to talk about, you know, getting ready for college or what things you should be doing in preparation for college, especially if you're in high school. If you're getting ready for college and, you know, learning and finding out what that process is like and what things you should be ready to, to take on or anticipate and uh, strategies and tips to work from from, from there. Um, that's that's pretty much it in a workshop. I'm, I'm uh, in a nutshell. I should say I'm actually in the process right now of working on a few other projects that are related to um, to the coaching piece um, with some uh, written material that I'm that I'm um, working on, and uh, hopefully that will come about in the summer. Um, hopefully, be ready for fall. Wow, that's- but that's what thriving like that's what thriving like coaching is. That's a world of resources, um, and. I really appreciate what you said when you were talking about the one-on-one coaching. Um, as far as having the students create their own tasks um, and really have a say in the process. Because I remember when I was younger, my aunt, she cares a whole lot and she's a part of a very popular sorority, which will remain unnamed. Um, <laughs> and so <laughs> they did a lot of work of, you know, taking, we're from Baltimore City. So they did a lot of work of um, making sure that students stayed the course. They had a lot of Saturday coaching, quote unquote, coaching programs or mentorship programs. And I just remember me and all of the other kids and teenagers who were there just like slumped over the chair because we were just being delegated all of these things. And like, nobody really took the time to find out if the things that they were delegating <laughs> mattered to our lives and stories, or if we, you know, or if we comprehended why we were doing those things. Right. And so now that you say that, I can definitely see how, where the, 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 the missing, you know, link chink in the, the chink in their armor was and yep. how your program is really um, make building that student up and having them involved in the process and how that can make a difference. Yeah, because, you know, and, and it's really true. One of the things that I um, want to make sure students understand, not just about the process with myself, but just the process that they go through in general. And it's it applies to school, but it applies to, you know, kind of life outside of school as well is that, you know, you're my client. And so it's my job to make you better. If what I do doesn't make you better, then, you know, you should talk to someone else who's going to, who's going to, you know, put you in that position to be able to be at your best. But if what I'm offering you and providing for you is in fact that, then, you know, this isn't a, you know, some people say, you know, marriage is a 50, 50, you know, uh, partnership. And it's like, no, it's really not. It's your hundred percent that you're bringing as, you know, bride. And it's your hundred percent you bring as groom and you pulling those two things together and giving it your all. Now, sometimes, you know, it doesn't work out. It should, but it should, doesn't work out, but it's not because you're not putting in the, the full, you know, uh, level of, uh, of work to make sure that it happens. And so my quest is to really make sure that that's what uh, I get, you know, students to be able to do. 
I hope you've enjoyed part one of this episode. To listen to the second half, head to the show's feed and download part two. But before you do, remember, I'm a one-woman team producing this podcast every week. That means finding guests, planning out each episode, editing the audio, and even promo. Wow is absolutely right. Wow, bringing you this show every week is absolutely a pleasure always but it does require hard work and resources so if you enjoy the podcast and want to support me in keeping this show going you absolutely can here are four great ways to support the show today you can subscribe to the podcast on apple Podcasts or wherever you listen to your podcast you can rate the podcast and leave a review directly on apple Podcasts or the podbean app if you're an androider When you do this, your review helps more people find and listen to the show, which means more kids get the resources that they need to thrive and isn't at the goal. You can share your favorite episode on your social media, with your colleagues, and with everyone you know. And number four, you can support the Ed Gap Evolution podcast monetarily by purchasing inspiring apparel for kids and adults on our website, edgapevolution.com. Okay, don't forget to listen to part two of this episode with Reginald Ryder of Thriving Life Coaching. And thank you so, 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 so much.